0: So I grew up in Richardson, Texas, if any of you know where that is. It's north of Dallas. And I spent my summers as a child swimming at the Richardson Public Pool near my house. Now, it was a nice pool, big pool, kind of a fancy pool for a city pool because it not only had a diving board, it had a high dive. Now, I'm not really one for heights. Uh, My family and friends can tell you that, but every summer the same thing happened. I would sit there for a few weeks on my towel and watch the cool kids go off the high dive. And then I would decide that if I could only get up the courage to climb that ladder and jump in off that high dive, my cool factor would increase by a multiple of 10. So one day, I would get up out of the pool dripping wet and go stand in the line shivering with all the other kids trying to look nonchalant waiting for the high dive, right? (laughs) No big deal. Just waiting for the high dive over here. Yes, I'm 10, but I got it. So it would finally be my turn to go up that ladder, and I would begin to feel as I went up that it was the tallest ladder in the entire world. By the time I got up onto the board, I felt like I was 10 stories in the air. Then I'd look down at the water, and this real terror would begin. Because from up there, the water in the deep end looked really dark. And then there was the pool drain. (laughs) There was something about the drain. Y'all hear me on this one? Yes. There's something a little sinister about that drain. I was afraid if I jumped in and went really deep down by that drain, it might suck me in. So after a few moments of this, all I wanted to do was throw myself prostrate onto the board and inch like a worm back to the ladder and down it in a way never to return again. But here's the thing, I couldn't do that. It wasn't allowed. Clearly, posted rules right there at the bottom of the ladder stated that once you got up there, the only way back to the safety of your towel was through the water. So I would stand there and shake. I couldn't go back to where I came from, but I was really, really scared to go ahead. Have you ever been in a place like that in your life, where you couldn't go back, but going forward felt really scary too? Well then, maybe, just perhaps, we can understand a little bit of how Joshua felt when he led the children of Israel to the border of the promised land. They couldn't go back to where they came from. They just spent 40 years wandering in the desert. But before them, between them and the promised land, was the Jordan River. And the Jordan River, the text tells us, was in flood stage. So a river that was normally pretty placid was instead a rushing, dangerous torrent, a mess. Imagine how they felt standing there. Scholars tell us that there could have been as many as 40,000 men dressed for battle, plus their families, women, and children, and all their worldly goods. they had get washed away. And let's not forget either how the Hebrew people understood water because it was the source of life, to be sure. But they also viewed water as a source of Chaos as representative of fear of all those things that are against people in the world. They knew that the monster Leviathan dwelled in the deep. And they had passed down a story one to another about the way water washed over the world and took out anyone that wasn't on Noah's Ark. And then just a generation back... They had vivid collective memory about crossing the Red Sea on dry ground and then watching one of the greatest armies in the world, Pharaoh's army, be drowned when the walls of water fell in on them. So, water was scary. And then finally, it's important to remember that they did not have the greatest track record when it came to crossing the border into the promised land. In the past, they did not have the courage to cross. You see, the reason that they had just spent 40 years wandering around in the desert was because 40 years before they came to the border, God called them to enter, but they were afraid. And they listened to that little voice that we all have in our head that's full of fear. So they thought, best first to send some spies out into the land. We'll let them check it out. Come back and tell our leadership what we're in for so we'll be prepared. So they did that. They sent the spies in the land. The spies go in, check the whole thing out, come back to the people, and they go, it's amazing. It's an incredible land. It is beautiful. It is fruitful. There are giant grapes. But there are also giant people. Literally, there be giants. Okay? They said, these people are so big, and they are so fierce that we can never overcome them. So they couldn't go forward, they thought. And thus they lost 40 years. Here they are again at the border promised land before them, and this time the text tells us that they have the courage to cross. Why? What's different this time than the last? Well, first, friends, it seems to me that this time they have a renewed sense of the presence of God with them. They are focused more on God than on their fear. They are listening to the voice of God in their head rather than that voice that says ah, 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 ah. might not be able to do that. No, they're focused on God. Joshua tells them, let's spend three days sanctifying ourselves, preparing to cross. I think they're praying, friends. They're attuning themselves to God's presence. And then the text tells us that when it comes time to physically cross, the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant into the water before the people. Remember that the Ark of the Covenant represents for the Hebrew people literally the presence of the living God. So literally for them, God is walking with them ark holds back the water and they cross on dry ground. They have courage because they are drawing it from the living God who is with them and is with us. As we face the Jordans in our lives personally and corporately, our God is not one who stands on the porch and waves off and says, good luck to you. Hope crossing that Jordan works out. Our God is with us and our God is for us. God cares for the whole world and yet loves each of us as if we were the only person on earth. I have a dear, dear friend and colleague in North Texas named Gail. And Gail has a nephew named Luke. Now today, Luke is a grown-up, but when he was a little boy, Luke had some very serious questions for God. And he thought about it and decided the best way to deal with those questions was to write them out in a letter to God, and then he thought he'd leave it out somewhere so that God could pick it up and answer the questions when God got around to it. So Luke did this. He wrote out his questions for God, and then he took the letter to his mother, and he said, got my questions here, but I don't know where to leave it. Do I need to leave my letter for God on the porch because God is too big to come into the house? And his mother said, Let's ask Aunt Gail. (laughs) She's a pastor. She'll know. So they called Gail up, and Luke asked his question, Should I leave the letter on the porch, Aunt Gail, because God is too big to come in the house? And Gail said to Luke, no, keep your letter inside. Put it on the coffee table in the living room. God is never too big to come into the house. Friends, God has a lot on the divine plate these days. But God is never too big to come into our lives to care about the things that we are facing. God is with us in this time of change as we have a Jordan before us. God will not abandon us. When we need courage to cross, to move forward, we can depend on our God because our God loves us that much. Our God is with us. Our God walks with us. Our God is for us. Second, I think that the Israelites can cross this time because they lean on one another in community. You notice in the text, That they don't cross alone. It's not every man, woman, and child for him or herself. They cross as a people. Friends, I don't know what it is with us human beings, but it seems that when we are experiencing times of stress, that is often when we decide it's time to become a solo act. Am I right? Mm hmm. We often turn inward. We forget about the neighbor sitting next to us in the pew. Friends, we need one another. We might wade into the water alone, but we have a lot better odds of making it across if we grasp the steady hand of a friend. This is why God calls us into Christian community because there are times in this life where you just can't make it by yourself. We need one another. We need a hand to hold and a shoulder to lean on. We need a voice of encouragement or even challenge. We need to see God in one another and draw strength from that. One of my very favorite stories is about a grandfather who was babysitting his four-year-old grandson. He read the little boy a story and then tucked him into bed and then went downstairs to watch TV And after a while, one of our famous Texas thunderstorms came up. Y'all know how those go. Man, we've had a lot of those. I don't know if that's typical for San Antonio. Since uh, my husband and I have lived here, we've had some serious storms. One night, there was a clap of thunder so loud, we both jumped out of bed and ran to the window to see what was on fire in our yard. (laughs) It was serious. So it was a storm like that? Driving rain and wind and lightning and claps of thunder. And after an especially big boom, Grandpa hears two little feet hit the floor upstairs. And the little boy comes to the top of the stairs and calls down, Grandpa, I'm afraid. Grandpa gets up and comes to the bottom of the stairs and says, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I'm right here. There's nothing to be afraid of. Now I go back to bed. So the little boy went back to bed. A few minutes later, here's another big boom. Window shake in the house. Two feet hit the floor again. (laughs) He comes to the top of the stairs. Grandpa, I'm still scared. Grandpa comes to the foot of the stairs and says, Now, honey, There's nothing to be afraid of. Don't you know that God loves you and that God is with you? And then there's this silence. And the little boy then says, Grandpa, I know that God loves me. I know that God is with me, but sometimes I just need somebody with skin on. (laughs) Friends, that's the truth in our lives, isn't it? Sometimes we just need somebody with skin on. And God, who knows us better than anybody and loves us beyond our wildest imagination, understands that about human beings, and that is why God came to us in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Because sometimes we just need somebody with skin on. And that is also why God has given us the gift of one another in Christian community. We know that God loves us all the time. But especially when we're crossing a Jordan in this life, it helps to have a flesh and blood hand that we can hold and a shoulder to lean on and a voice of calm, peaceful encouragement and love. Alamo Heights, I want you to know that my husband and I have known God with skin on in you during a season of our lives that has involved great change and a little bit of fear. You see, back in March, on a Tuesday, I was minding my own business (laughs) at my church office when my phone rang and it was Bishop Schneezy. And after I answered the phone... And he greeted me. He said, and I quote this to you exactly: Holly, I'm calling to complicate your life. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm calling to complicate your life. Here's a reason that he said that. He said that because he knew that my husband, Tripp, and I were planning to move to Austin, and that we had been planning that move for months. See, my my husband had just taken on a new role with his employer that required us to make that move, and we felt it was time. We felt God calling us to the next place, and we figured it was Austin, Texas. We felt good about that. We had been traveling to Austin for years. We knew lots of people there. We have dear friends in Austin. Our son, Andy, lives there. We were excited to live in the same town with him. I had met with the district superintendent of the Austin area. I was waiting to be assigned to a church in Austin. And then comes the voice of God through Bishop Schneezy. (laughs) I'm calling to complicate your life. He said, Holly, the cabinet and I keep praying about it and we keep putting your name next to the name of one of the largest churches in our conference that needs a pastor this year It's Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. Do you know that church? And I said, yes, I do. He said, we're wondering if you and your husband would pray about this, maybe come visit and consider whether he could commute to Austin for his job. (laughs) So we did pray about it. And we visited and we prayed some more. I think we prayed so much that we wore knee holes in the carpet next to our bed. And we became convinced that God was indeed calling us here to be in ministry with you. And we felt the Holy Spirit at work in all of that. And we knew that God was was with us, but it didn't make it any less scary. Because, you see, we didn't know a single soul in San Antonio, not one person. And we had never, ever thought about living here. Never looked into it, didn't know anything really about the city or or Alamo Heights. It was all sort of a blank slate. And I'm just going to go ahead and be real with you here. We had only been to San Antonio a couple of times. To see the river walk in the Alamo. (laughs) So, it was a frightening thing. But we were able to cross 410. (laughs) And enter 78209. (laughs) Because we knew that God was with us. And God called us here, but moreover because of you. Because you have been God with skin on for us. You have responded with such warmth and kindness and grace. It's meant the world. As soon as my appointment here was announced, I started to hear from some of you. I, I got emails and letters and cards and, and phone calls and... To a person, every single man or woman from this congregation who contacted me, all of them said, I'm praying for you and your family. And that meant everything, and it still does. So thank you for that. And there were other good things that happened too. I got a box in the mail one day from the Thursday Men's Bible Study which contained a Spurs t-shirt in my size. (laughs) They said, and I think I'm quoting this correctly, that I needed it in order to dress appropriately for this town. (laughs) It fits, and I have worn it to H-E-B, so there you go. (laughs) Also, soon after we moved into our home, I looked out the door one day and there was Bob Scott with a bougainvillea plant in one hand and a guide to San Antonio in the other. (laughs) And because of you, I have assembled what might be the greatest list of Mexican food restaurants in the history of the world. You have been amazing. You have been Christ for us. And your love in the generosity of spirit that you have shown, the grace that you have extended, we have found the courage to be here with you. And I feel blessed beyond measure to be appointed to this great church as your senior pastor. I feel so lucky. I feel so blessed. Alamo Heights, I believe with my whole heart that the promised land is before us. I know we've got a Jordan in between. Pastoral change can be hard. You've been through a lot of change, I know. But God is with us, God is for us. And we have one another in Christian community. We can be God with skin on for one another during this time and in the days to come. And if we will do that, there is nothing that we can't do together. This church has an incredible history, a rich history of faith, of service, of generosity, of kindness, of witness. This church has been a force for good and for God in this community and beyond for over a hundred years. And I am convinced that there is an amazing future ahead of us as well. God is with us. My hand is extended to you. Will you take my hand and that of your neighbor, and we will wade in together, and we will cross this Jordan, all for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks, for you are always with us. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and so in this beginning, we know that you are present. Lord, bless us and abide with us, walk with us every step of the way. Give us the courage we need to cross. And we, we know, Lord, that when we're especially afraid, we can turn and look into the eyes of our neighbor and see you there. Thank you, God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.